Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. Uh, I want to talk to you on the thought today about uh, venom or vision. And this scripture... Uh, as I was reading it this week, uh, again, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition uh, of the Lord. Sometimes we don't realize how important our job is as a father because uh, for some reason, I don't know about other parts of the world, but it seems like uh, in America, it, in the church, it's gotten commonplace where it's the woman's job to teach the kids about the Lord. It's the woman's job to teach them how to pray. It's the woman's job to bring them to church. And uh, a lot of times the, the wife brings the kids to church and the, and the father doesn't even come. And it seems to happen over and over. But right here we see in the scripture that as dads, as Christian fathers, it's our job to train the kids uh, and to bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. There's re- there, the, the wife, the mother has a responsibility as well. We as, uh, as parenting together, but it doesn't take away the fact that there's an important responsibility upon us as fathers to fill that role and to teach our kids about God and not leave everything up to uh, the wife. And so I want to talk about fathers today and the power that we have with our uh, families to give them one of two things with our words, our actions, and that's the, to give them either venom um, or, or vision. See, it's important that we show uh, that that we show our children um, love, and that we bring them up and train them in the ways of the Lord and, the, and what it means to be a son or a or a daughter of God. It's going to be one of the two. It's either when when, when you're handling things with your children, it's going to be venom or vision. The choice the choice is ours. But what will we give uh, our children? So I want to tell you about two different men, and. Uh, one is a guy named Max Juke, and the other one, and uh, I think I got this out of a Perry Stone book, but the other one is Jonathan Edwards, the preacher. And both of these guys lived around the same time, and you get two examples of what happens with, with what you do with your children. And so uh, Max lived in the 1700s. He did not believe in Jesus. He did not believe in biblical or Christian training. He refused to go to church. He refused to take his kids to church, even when they would ask him to go. And so at the time of this study that they did, uh, he had around 1,026 descendants. Out of that, 300 were sent to prison for an average term of 13 years. So that's the average term. So these were not small offenses that that these descendants were doing. 190 of them were public prostitutes. Uh, 680 were admitted alcoholics. Uh, his family at the time of this study, now remember this is 1700, so the cost of things was a lot less then. I don't know what it would 
Uh, I don't know what it would equate to uh, in today's uh, finances, but at the time of the study, his family had cost the state in excess of $420,000. I'm sure that would be millions now, because can you imagine what it would just take for 300 people in prison for a year? I don't even know what it costs for for an inmate a year. But even though it cost all this money, they had made no contributions and had been no benefit to society that could be noted. On the other hand, you have Jonathan Edwards. He was married in uh, 1727, and he loved the Lord. He saw to it that his children were in church every Sunday that was possible, and he served the Lord to the best of his ability. And he was known and respected as a preacher, but even in his uh, private life, he was, a, he was a good man. He was very loving and compassionate. And so he spent quality time with his family. It was a priority. And he had 11 children. And uh, when he was at home, he had a special chair that he would sit in. And so when he's in this chair in the evenings, he would uh, make sure whenever he was home that he would spend time with his children for one hour a day in this chair. And they would get to spend quality time with him, talking with him, asking questions. And during this time, he would take time to pray a special blessing over each child. He would, because have you ever gotten that where you get so busy praying for everybody, you lump them all together? Because you just, he would, he was intentional. Every child, he would pray a blessing over them. His descendants at the time of this study had produced 285 college graduates, 300 preachers, 13 noted authors, 65 college professors, 100 lawyers and the dean of a law school, 30 judges, 56 physicians and the dean of a medical school, 80 holders of public office, three U.S. senators, uh, one in the United States Treasury, and one vice president of the United States. His family never cost the state one cent that they could find in the study, but had contributed immeasurably to the life of plenty in this country today. And we see the the difference. One man gave venom to his children, and the other man gave vision. One man taught his children about Jesus, and one man it was not a a priority. Other things were important. See, uh, Jonathan Edwards gave encouragement, direction, love, and attention. And we need to be blessing our children, and we need to be giving them the vision that they need to be what God desires them to be to do what God has for them to do. And let me go ahead and say, I'm not saying that if your child makes a mistake or makes some bad decisions or if they end up just living a terrible lifestyle completely, that it's your fault. I'm not saying that uh, at all. I don't know about you, but I have not always behaved in the way that my parents trained me to behave. I've not always made the decisions that they would have wanted me uh, to make. And so even if it ends up, if it's one of, Uh, my children do something that I don't approve of or that I wouldn't do if I were them, it's not my fault. Because ultimately, they have free will just like you and I do. You can do everything right and your kids can still make a bad decision or uh, you know, even worse than a bad decision. They can make a bad choice of the way they decide to do the rest of their life or the way they raise uh, their children. So I'm not making that point at all. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to encourage today and not tear anyone down if you're going through a hard time or you've been through a hard time uh, with kids. But we do have the power as fathers and as parents 
to influence and train our children in the ways that they should go. Doesn't mean they're always going to choose to do what we've instructed and what we've exampled for them to do. And so I want to share this poem with you. Uh, they don't know, uh, the author's unknown, but it's called To My Child, Things I Can and Cannot Do. It says, I can share, I can share your life, but I cannot live it for you. I can teach you things, but I cannot make you learn. I can give you directions, but I cannot always lead you. I can allow you freedom, but I cannot account for it. I can take you to church, but I cannot make you believe. I can teach you right from wrong, but I cannot decide for you. I can give you love, but I cannot force it upon you. I can teach you to be a friend, but I cannot make you be one. I can teach you to share, but I cannot make you unselfish. I can teach you respect, but I cannot force you to show honor. I can tell you the facts of life, but I cannot build your reputation. I can tell you lofty goals, but I cannot achieve them for you. I can teach you to obey, but I cannot answer for your actions. I can warn you about sins, but I cannot make you moral. I can love you as my child, but I cannot place you in God's family. I can pray for you, but I cannot make you walk with God. I can teach you about Jesus, but I cannot make Him your Savior. I can teach you about prayer, but I cannot make you pray. I can tell you how to live, but I cannot give you eternal life. And that's where a lot of people are, are struggling in the parent thing is that we're trying to do it all for our kids because we want them to make the right choices. But again, we can't help some of the choices uh, that they make. And so it's a, it's, to me, this is a powerful poem because we have a tremendous responsibility as fathers that we have to love and teach our children, or I should say as parents, the fathers and the mothers, because if left to themselves, children will always be rebels. They're always going to push the limits, it, it seems like, no matter what we do. So it's necessary for us as parents to train our children. And so the Bible records the, the sad results of parents that, that we all make mistakes. We don't, all of us, none of us get it right all the time. But we can see what happens when parents uh, neglecting their children or being a bad example for their children or failing to even discipline them, them properly. An example of each one of those is David pampered and spoiled Absalom. And he, he, he set a bad example and the results were tragic. Uh, Eli failed to discipline his sons and they brought disgrace upon his name and they brought defeat to the nation of Israel. Isaac showed favoritism to Esau while his wife showed favoritism to Jacob and they wound up with a house divided and all kinds of problems. See, Paul tells us that the father has several responsibility uh, toward his children. And this is a simple little verse, but it's a powerful verse. And the first thing that he tells us is that we must not provoke them. Okay? Now, sometimes I enjoy provoking my kids, even though I know I shouldn't do it. I like to aggravate them and, uh, uh, and pick on them. But I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I guess I shouldn't do it at all, but I shouldn't make it a habit of pr provoking them. And from the smiles on some of your faces, you like provoking your kids too. But it, Paul tells us not to do that. And um, the reason for that in, in, in Paul's day, and it's still this way today, is just, I guess, more unseen. Because in that day, the father had supreme authority over the family. Okay. Now, a lot of fathers aren't walking in the authority that they have over the family, but it's still, I believe, the, that way today. So, for example, when a baby was born into a, a Roman family, uh, it was brought out and 
basically laid before the Father, presented to the Father. Now, if he picked it up, that meant that he accepted that child into the home. If he didn't pick it up, it meant that that baby was rejected. That child could be sold, that child could be given away, or it could just be left to the elements to die from exposure. Now, that sounds horrible, but it was legal in, it was legal in that day. It's the way they, they did things. And if you think about it, fathers are still doing it today. Fathers are rejecting children every day in this country, and they're leaving them to a lot of, they're leaving them to a lot of things that they have, to, they have to face. They're leaving them to go out and, and uh, face all kind of adversity that they shouldn't face if a father takes his responsibility and uses his authority in, in the right way. See, fathers had that kind of authority then, and they have it now. And so what Paul is saying to them and what he's telling us as fathers and as parents is, don't by not provoking your children, don't use your authority to abuse your child. Use your authority to encourage that child and to build them up so that they can become what God intended for them to be. And in Colossians 3.21, he says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. See, we don't need to provoke and discourage our children. We need to encourage them. If there is ever a day that children need an encouragement, it's today. And so as fathers, we, we provoke our children and discourage them by saying one thing and doing another. We need to keep our promises. We provoke them by always blaming and never praising them. We provoke them by being inconsistent and unfair in our, in our discipline. And we provoke them by showing favoritism in the home and, and by making light of problems. That's a big deal to them, even if it's not a, a big deal to us. It's important to them. And so as Christian fathers and parents, we don't need to provoke our children. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit so that we can be sensitive to their needs and we can be sensitive to their problems that our children are facing. The second responsibility of a father to his children is uh, we have to nurture them. Now, uh, in the scripture we read, it says, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So another way of saying bring them up would be to nurture them in the training and the admonition of the Lord or nourish them. The Christian husband should nourish and nurture his family, his wife and his kids by sharing love and encouragement in the Lord through Christ. It's not enough for us as fathers to just nurture physically by providing food and shelter and clothing. Those things are important, but we also need to nurture emotionally and spiritually. We need to be what God's called us to be. We need to do all that we can to provide that balance of intellectual, physical, spiritual, and social growth, emotional growth that a, that a child needs. Nowhere in the Bible is training of children assigned to programs and agencies outside of the home. But that's where most of it takes place these days. And it's even inside the home, we let the TV do it or whatever you watch shows on these days. You know, because we're just so busy. I know that's how life is. I get it. I get it. Some of those shows, uh, they, they would, I don't know if you do this when your kids are small, but they pulled me in too. Before I know what the kid's going on, not watching the show, and I'm still there watching SpongeBob or something like that, and it's like on the fourth episode in a row. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. I, so I, I get it, but it's not the TV's job, and it's not a program's job. It's our job to train our, our children. It's our job to provide the kind of training that they really need, not what the world says that they need. And that brings us to the third responsibility. We must discipline them. 
It says, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Whether you like it or not, training and discipline go hand in hand. It's just the way that it is. A good father must train his children, and to do that, you have to discipline them. Now, some modern psychologists oppose the old-fashioned idea of discipline. They say that we should let children express themselves and that if we discipline them, it might warp their characters. That's gone really well for them, hasn't it? <laughs> it's worked really well over the past 20 years, letting them find themselves. It, 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 doesn't, make any, it doesn't make any sense. We have to train our children. And um, since my dad's not here, I can talk about him a little bit. Uh, my dad, just so you know, my dad, when, uh, when Jill and I were teenagers, Michelle was already gone because she, she got married uh, right after she graduated high school. So uh, our friends had a name for my dad, and uh, they called him the warden. And uh, he loved it. They would still come to the house, and they liked talking to my dad, but they all called him the warden, and they said it was because he was always on patrol, and he always had Jill on lockdown. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I didn't get in much trouble until Jill started going with me places, and then he wanted to know every detail because he was worried about his little baby. But... My dad and my aunts, because the same thing, you know, we, like I'm talking about these roles as fathers, these responsibilities, and there are just a lot of people that leave the responsibility to, uh, to, the, to the wife. And she has a responsibility too, but it's just different. And um, I would say probably with a lot of my cousins, a lot of the discipline was left to uh, the mom, to my aunts. My uncles, my uncles were there, but it, it was a lot of times it was left to my aunts to do all the discipline and uh, action that was taking place. And so they were all talking one time. And so I got to tell this to backtrack. And it kind of happened because of something my dad had done to me. And another one of the cousins was acting out. And one of my aunts was they were having this talk and my dad happened to be there. And they she was saying she was instructing her sister my other aunt, not to say nothing to them. Don't say nothing to them. Just leave them alone. Let them sow their wild oats. And, uh, uh, and so my, my dad told her, said, you can leave them alone all you want, you want, but I'm not letting mine sow any wild oats. I'm going to say what I want to say, and they're going to know how I feel about, you know, all that stuff. Well, the reason that happened is a few weeks earlier, my dad had called the cops on me. And... Um, and I was telling somebody about this the other week that got me thinking about it. But everybody needs a dad that'll call the cops on them. You can't beat it. If a dad, your dad will call the cops on you, you got a good one. And so I was at the age I knew everything, and mom and dad didn't know very much, so I moved out. And uh, I had a roommate, and I had a, a, well, I ended up with two roommates. And, um, we, I got this place in Grace Creek just a few miles from my parents. And so my cousin told me, said, man, you're on your own. You can do anything you want. We should throw a party. I said, well, go ahead. And so I let him kind of plan it. And he made calls, and we know a lot of people. So a lot of people showed up, or we knew a lot of people. Now I don't really have that many friends. Back then I had a lot of friends, it seemed like. And uh, kids would do that for you, too. But the, the, so 
all these people started showing up and we lived we we stayed in a, it was a little single wide trailer on two acres of land in Grays Creek and there was probably about 200 people show up and uh, it was like a, it looked like a parking lot in that on that property and uh, man I was just the the new cool guy in town I guess I thought I thought anyways and uh, it was going pretty good party hadn't been going that long and uh, my dad and mom is a Friday, so they always pull out of their driveway left to go into Fayetteville or Hope Mills to get something to eat on Fridays. I was the other direction. I thought I was good. This night, my dad decides that he wants to go eat in St. Paul's. Why? Why would you want to go eat in St. Paul's? But he decides that, so they turn out of the driveway right. And they ride by and they see everything and my dad loses his appetite, which was not good for me. He turns around and he doesn't pull in. He goes back home and he sends my mom down there to have a talk with me. So my mom pulls in this big old green minivan in the middle of this party and she's talking through her teeth mad. And she tells me that my dad is furious and that if I don't make everybody leave, he's going to call the cops on me. And so some guy's yelling, hey, get out of here, you crazy old lady. And I said, I hollered back, I said, hey, it's my mom. He's like, sorry, ma'am. <laughs> and I said, mom, I'm not making all these people leave. I mean, I got a reputation to keep up here. <laughs> and she's like, if you don't make everybody leave, your dad said he's going to call the cops. So now I got to choose. And you know, I've talked last week about making those decisions on, on uh, temporary circumstances. Yeah, so I said, we'll call the cops then. I'm not making anybody leave. So my mom, I, t I yell out, my mom and dad are calling the cops. If you want to leave, leave now. If not, party's still going. So... My mom gets mad, slams the van door, says, your dad is calling the cops. And then she rolls down the window and she says, help me back out of here. There's too many cars I can't see. <laughs> so me and a couple of guys are back there doing this, <laughs> backing her out, and she leaves. And sure enough, about 15 minutes later, the cops show up. Dad kept his word. The cop comes, and I mean, I'm ready for the cop. I've got, I've got it all figured out because the best lie, you know, has got truth in it. So cop gets there. I meet him. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you showed up. Well, what's going on? Who owns this place? Oh, this is, this is my place, and I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, my cousin threw this party. Who didn't, you know, he didn't. He said he was going to invite a few friends, and I said, all these people have showed up, and I don't know how to make them leave. I'm worried with this many people that something bad could happen. I'm glad you're here so nothing bad happens. Can you help me make them leave? I sold all my friends out. He said, you don't worry about a thing. We, yeah, we can make all these people leave. I said, oh, good. So glad you're here. He goes out, starts talking to some people, and he comes back. And he says, uh, hey, you boys are in trouble. I said, because I, I, was, I think I was, I think I was 19 or 20, 20 maybe. He said, you boys are in trouble. I said, what do you mean we're in trouble? I'm glad you're here, remember? 
And he said, well, I just got a call from dispatch that I'm not to let anybody leave this place. So they had just repaved the roads in Grays Creek and some like 17-year-old girl who had uh, came by to give somebody something or say hey to somebody, she ran into the ditch. And he says the cop asked her where she was coming from and she said there's a big party down the road in Grays Creek. And so now I've been told to not let anybody leave. They're sending the ABC officers and the breathalyzers and they're going to test everybody here. I said, oh, that ain't good. He said, yeah, you boys are in big trouble. I said, okay. The ABC officers get there and they were in bad cop mode. They're slamming doors, fussing at uh, kids. Because there was a riot, there was probably for there from 17 to like 24-year-old people there. There was all kinds of people. And uh, yeah, a lot of underage people consuming alcohol. And so they're putting on a show for them. They're like, they're acting really mean and all. And so the guy comes up and I'm like, oh my goodness, what is going on? It's Bobby Carter from the J Stone Singers. For those of you that know that, it's a gospel group here out of Hope Mills. He don't know who I am, but I know who he is, and I'm thinking, I hope he gets my roommate and I get the other guy. But I got this from Bobby. He comes up. He wasn't, he wasn't nice at all. He wasn't like the other cop. He said, I need your license right now. And I said, okay, yes, sir. I gave him my license. He looks down. He says, Wilson. Looks down. He said, are you Bobby Wilson's son? I said, who do you think called you? That's why I'm in this mess. He starts shaking his head. Starts writing tickets. He wrote me up a ticket. And uh, they started doing their thing. Girls are crying calling their moms and their sisters to come get them, afraid they're going to go to jail, I guess. And uh, people start leaving the party. But uh, weird thing about it is that it, it was kind of weird because there were still a lot of cars there. And as soon as the cop left, uh, it looked like Field of Dreams. I had, this, I had this field behind my house that had some goats back there. All the rednecks started coming out of that out of that field they had just been hiding while the cops were there and uh but anyways one of them that was hiding in the field his dad was a lawyer so he uh he took care of my ticket for me for four hundred dollars and uh but what's funny is my dad he wouldn't back down from what he believed he wouldn't back down from any and i didn't even get mad at him he called me and he said i heard you got a ticket he offered to go testify for me. My dad did. I said, Dad, you're the one who called the cops. I wouldn't have called them if I'd known you. I didn't know this was going to happen. I thought they were going to make, just make everybody leave. And all that. I said, well, that's what I thought too, but that's not what, that, that's not what happened. And uh, actually, a, few year, a couple years later, when I uh, gave my heart to the Lord and, and was back in church, I saw Bobby Carter, and he gave me this sideways look. He said, how are you doing? I said, I think it was in the bathroom at Texas Roadhouse. I just run into people in weird places. I said, I'm doing good. I'm not doing those things anymore. And he said, that's good to hear. And then, uh, but, but dad, it didn't matter what anybody thought. 
He had a job as a father. And it didn't matter if it embarrassed me or what someone else thought about the decision he made. He was going to do what he thought his job as a father was. And that was to let me know he didn't approve of what I was doing. We have so many people now, they're afraid to even tell their kid that they don't agree with what they're doing. And, and I'm not for trying to just always condemn someone, but there's a fine line between not condemning someone and putting out the vibe that you condone what they're doing. They, they need to be trained and they need to understand discipline is a basic principle of life, and it's actually an evidence of love. A parent who never disciplines their kid, they don't love that kid. See, we have to be sure that we discipline our children and that we do it the right way. We should discipline them out of love, not anger. No, I know y'all have never disciplined your kids out of anger. You've never lost your temper, but I have. I've lost it. I've gotten upset. I've taken it too far. And, uh, but we, see, we want to train them. We don't want to injure them. At least once the moment passes, we don't want to injure them. Sometimes in the moment, we want to. But when, when we discipline out of anger, it helps nobody and it hurts everybody. It just causes causes problems and you usually really feel really bad after you do it too we should never lose control or fly off the handle even though we've all done it we should we should strive not to if we're going to discipline them then we have to be disciplined ourselves and how we do it that means correcting out of love and not anger that means being fair and consistent heather always uh, well not always but when it would happen she would get on to me because she would say you, yeah, I just lower the boom, usually on Stephen. And uh, she would say, not in front of him, but later on she would say, you've got to quit letting him get by with so much and then just laying the smack down when you've had all you can handle. You should have said something to him to begin with before it uh, got out of hand. And I'll always say, you're right, I know. And most of the time I will do it again because I don't, I don't know why. But, but we need to be consistent. We have to discipline our children, consistent, loving discipline gives a child assurance. They're not always going to agree with us. They're not going to, it's not going to happen. But they will know that we care enough to try to train them. To try to train them, not just train them, but train them correctly in all the ways that they should go. And that we have their best interest uh, in mind. The final responsibility that a father has to his children is that he must instruct and encourage them. Now, this is the meaning of the word admonition. The father and the mother not only use actions uh, to raise their children, but they also, we use words. Some people don't realize it, but our words are very important. The book of Proverbs is a good example. In Proverbs, we have an, it's an inspired record of a father sharing wise counsel with his son. Now, I know that sometimes personalities don't mesh. You might not be best friends with your kid, but you have to talk to your child. You have to interact with them. You have to communicate or they're never going to learn. They're never going to understand and they're never going to receive that, uh, that, that edification, encouragement that they need to get from you in the words that you speak to and over them. See, it's how we, we should be with our children. We've got to, to nourish them in that way too. Our children do not and will not always appreciate our counsel though. Sometimes they don't, they don't want to hear it but it's still our responsibility to instruct and encourage them. And so we should try to be sure that our instruction is always in line with the Word of God, not just what we want. We have to make sure that we're leading them in the right way that they should go. 
and what God has for them to do and, what, and follow the leading of what Holy Spirit is directing us. You see, it's time for us as fathers and parents to not just do what God has called us to do as parents, but to do what He really expects us to do as, as parents. It's an important job, the most important job you'll ever have. When the Supreme Court handed down its ruling against required prayer in, in the public schools, uh, a famous cartoonist published a cartoon in the Washington Post. And in this cartoon, it showed an angry father waving a newspaper at his family and shouting this, what do they expect us to do? Listen to the kids pray at home? And that's the mindset that a lot of people have when you think about it. But the answer to the question is yes. Home is the place where it should all happen. Home is the place where children should learn about the Lord. Home is the place where they should learn to pray and call on the name of the Lord. Home is the place where they should learn about the Bible uh, in, the, in the Christian life. See, it's time for us as Christian parents to stop passing it off onto someone else because it's our responsibility. It, it, you know, I'm not, this, there, this has, no one has said anything to me. This has nothing to do with the church. There's nothing to do with anything. But, but just in the church world, you hear a lot of complaints about what the church doesn't give to their children. Maybe you've thought them. I've thought them before about different things uh, when the kids, when my kids were smaller and different stuff. Well, you know, I just wish they had something that my kids could do that would keep them busy with this. I wish I had something that they could do that would be a good uh, Bible curriculum for my children. I wish they had something for my teenagers uh, could, could have an encounter with the Lord. Well, what's wrong with your house? Why not do it at home? Why not take the time for you to be the example that your kid needs to see instead of always praying for God to send somebody else to be that example? And I'm all for it. It's great when churches do have uh, all those things that they can provide. And it's, it's amazing. I'm thankful for spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers that can stand in the gap time after time when there's not that person in someone's life or in someone's home. But it's time for us as parents to start nurturing our children and being the parents that God desires for us to be for them. Why can't he move in your house? Why can't he move in your family? Why can't you be the one he uses to, to show your child what it means to love God and let God be the light of your life? It's important. What he, it's what he's called us all to do. And it's what we should be striving to do as godly fathers. And I think if we do that, that we would begin to see a difference in, in our, our children and in our, our society. It all starts uh, at home. We need all those things in the church, but it all starts at home. Maybe if we did it in the home, maybe the next generation, maybe your grandkids or your great-grandkids, because of what you do in the home, someone will be trained that can step in and be that person that fills in the gap at the church or at the school for a kid who doesn't have it at home. But we're always looking for someone else instead of realizing, just like the Scripture said, let me go back to it, and you... Fathers, He specifically calls it out. There's no way to dodge it. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but you, you fathers, bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. It's our responsibility. And if He's called us to do it, He'll equip us to do it. It doesn't matter if you're not good at talking. Maybe He's going to use your, your, your example in a different way to your kids. It doesn't matter if you can't get out and do this or do that with your kids. Maybe he's going to allow you to have the words that speak and change their lives forever. But whatever it is, if he's called you to do it, he can equip you to do it. 
You just have to move and operate in faith and trust him that he's chosen you to be the father of that child or the mother of that child. I'll just say parents. He's chosen you to be the parents of that child and he's chosen you. He's going to put everything you need to do the best job because he wants to see your child succeed more than you do. He wants to see your child operating in the things of the kingdom even more than you do. And I know that's every parent's desire in here. When it comes to praying for things about what I want to see, what I want to see in my life is nothing compared to what I want to see in my kids' lives. I would give it all up in my life if they could experience it in their life because I'm a good parent. I'm not perfect. I'm not the greatest. But if you love your kid, you're going to have that same desire. But we got to go past the desire and we have to move into passion so that we'll do something instead of just sit around and being. Uh, that's my little thing about people talk about a burden. I don't hardly ever ask God for a burden because I can be burdened about something and just sit around and complain about it. I ask God to give me a passion because a passion will get you up to do something about it instead of just talking about it. We have a lot of burdened people in the church. We're burdened down and asking for more burdens. God, give me a burden for this and a burden for that. I want to see people that are empowered and on fire to do something amazing for the kingdom. And, and the bottom line is that's going to start at your house. And it's going to be great when it begins to uh, overflow into the church and into the workforce and into other people's lives, but it starts at the house. I know there's a lot of craziness going on that's got our kids questioning and believing all kind of wild stuff and then the things going on with... Uh, I just think of some of the things that I was exposed to and I had to deal with in middle school, high school, and all those things. And then now what a kid has to deal with and the dangers that go along with it. And it's, there's no comparison. And I'm not that old. That's 30 years ago. Maybe I am getting that old, but it's, it's 30 years ago. And now, I mean, it's not easy being a parent. But when it feels difficult and when it feels like you don't know what to do and you don't know which way to turn, remember that, that God has called you to be a parent. He's put you in this position and he's there to help you. He's going to empower you. He's going to encourage you. And you can do it through Christ. Now, you try to not do it the way that this Bible tells you to do it, you're probably going to make a mess. But if you'll be the godly example that he's called you to be, I believe that God will turn any situation around that you may be facing. He's done it for others. He'll do it for you. And so I just want to pray a blessing over everyone here today. If you're having issues at home, if you're having issues with children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren, I just want to tell you that God sees what you're going through. And so I just speak holy, uh, ask Holy Spirit to come on to whatever your situation is. We speak understanding. We speak that, that God would just give you the wisdom to communicate properly with those kids or grandkids, that he would send the right person in their path and that you would just be the example that they need to see. That they'll begin to remember the instruction that you've given them over the years. And they'll begin to see that the way that you've trained them is the way that they should go because you're the one who loves them more than anyone on the face of this earth. So God, we just bless families today. We bless fathers and mothers, Lord. We just speak strength to the homes, Lord, that our homes will become Christian homes again, where your name is lifted up, 
where you are a top priority, where your kingdom business is our business, God, where, where we can be the examples of, of prayer and, and faith and study and, and communion with you, God, where we, can, we will be the, uh, an example of desire and passion for your gospel and for your kingdom, for our children and our grandchildren, God. Lord, we just ask for a shift to take place in what's been going on trying to, to tear down the family and tear down our children and to, and to rewrite what's normal, God. We just speak your word over every situation and we just speak the blood of Jesus. God, we just pray for distorted thinking to be gone away, Lord, for, for rifts and relationships to be repaired. God, for love to be restored in our homes, peace to be restored in our homes, God. Lord, I just pray for your presence to show up like never before. God, where it's not striving and it's not work, it's just natural as everyone in the home has that relationship with you, God, that encounter with you. Lord, I pray for all those that are struggling as parents now because their parents didn't do what you had called them to do. Lord, I pray that you give them an understanding of how to be what you've called them to be, God. We know that you've equipped us, Lord, because you've called us to do it. And we thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for Holy Spirit to help us and teach us and guide us. God, I thank you for the sons and the daughters that you're calling out even today to do amazing things for the kingdom. To be world changers. To be planet shakers, God. To just... Follow you with reckless abandon, God. Lord, help us to navigate these difficult times. Lord, help us not to compromise, but to be people of compassion. And Lord, we just thank you, God. Lord, I pray for every person in here, every family, God. I pray for every family member I have, God, that is walked away from what they've been taught. Lord, I pray for the ones that were never taught and they're just lost and not knowing which way to turn, God. I pray that they have an encounter with you. I pray that they hear a message, God. I pray that, that in some way they just learn of your goodness, Lord, that they would taste and see that you are good just like we were singing today, God. Lord, let the river just begin to flow in their lives. Lord, I pray that they would accept you and your truth, God. Lord, we just tear down every lie that they've been fed by society, by friends, by our so-called friends, God, people that are just, just as lost, God. We just tear down every lie, and we just ask for Holy Spirit to begin to reveal truth to each and every one of them and us, Lord, that we would continue to grow in what you've called us to be as parents and grandparents. Help us to continue to improve, Lord. Lord, there's nothing too difficult for you. And we thank you that revival's coming to our families, God. Lord, we pray for revival at the church all the time. Lord, I say send revival to our homes. Send it to our neighborhoods, God. 
Let revival happen on the ride to church, not something that has to be worked up at church, God. I just pray for peace in the car rides. Lord, we just declare it today, and we thank you for it. And Lord, we just call out for every prodigal that's connected to anyone in this church, God. Lord, we tear down addictions. Lord, we just uh, come against any type of trauma from emotional wounds or hurts or abuse. We tear down fear, God, the fear of man. Lord, it feels like it's got to be stronger now than it's ever been with this twisted as society has become, God. We, so we just tear down that fear that people would just begin to stand up for righteousness. We thank you for revival in the family, God. Lord, that it would no longer be a struggle, God, but it would be a safe place. Lord, let us begin to not have sermons in the home, but conversations of your goodness, conversations of your power. Let testimonies be the norm, God. Lord, we just bless what you're doing and we just thank you because you are such a good father. The perfect father. The perfect example for us, God. We just thank you that you, for the way that you love us, the way that you instruct us, the way that you train us, Lord, the way that you are constantly pursuing us, Lord. And I pray that every, any parent here Lord, who's thought about giving up on any kid, Lord, that they will not give up, that they'll continue to pursue that child with love. Lord, we thank you for the joy that's coming as they begin to return. God, we just pray that you prepare us, Lord, that we're ready for when they return for those that they bring with them. God, we thank you for it. So, Father, we just thank you for your presence. Lord, we thank you for that word of encouragement that you just shared with us, God. Lord, I just pray, open our eyes. Lord, help us to quit getting so stuck in our own situations that we fail to just walk outside and see your glory. And the beauty of all you're doing, all you have planned, and all you will fulfill because you will not leave a promise undone. God, you've never failed. You won't start now and you won't start with us. And so we just declare we trust you, God. Lord, and we'll worship you through all things. Lord, I pray blessings over every person today. I pray it's a great Father's Day for each and every one. Lord, I pray for my dad still in the hospital, God. I thank you that he's here this Father's Day. Lord, we thank you for his healing, God, and we just love you, and we bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.